Well, again, good morning. It's great to see everyone today. Um, uh, As we start uh, this morning, um, we are entering into uh, our season where we talk about giving. Uh, This is a time of year when we as a community, uh, church family, are asking God, show us what you want to do. Show us where you want to lead us. And so uh, along with that, show us um, how we can be a part of that. And so that's really what we're going to talk about for the next uh, two weeks And so I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 6. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning, those words that we just read. Um, uh, And as we start, um, I wanted to talk uh, about this body of water that exists between Israel, the nation of Israel, and the Jordan. Uh, It's called uh, the Sea of Salt, or you may have heard it called the Dead Sea. So this is a picture. It gives you a, a sense of what this body of water is actually like. And it's called the Dead Sea um, because it basically uh, is uninhabitable. No living thing can actually live in the Dead Sea. And so it's because the salt content, as you might guess, is so high um, that it promotes no life. Um, so really, like, it's great for selfies. Maybe you've seen people floating in the Dead Sea, you know, but like for life, it's not... Good, which is strange because bodies of water typically foster life on our planet, right? Uh, They foster life. They enrich the land around them. They support ecosystems. They're kind of the the soup in which the building blocks of life kind of come together, but not in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead. And the question is, well, why? What's what's happened? Was it poisoned by human pollution? Is it cursed? Like, what's, what's... cause this to happen. And it's really interesting. Um, It's dead, uh, not for those reasons, it's dead because it is rich in minerals, tons of minerals flowing into this lake, and yet there's no outflow. It's landlocked, right? So over time, what has happened is minerals have built up in the sea, uh, and they've built up, and they've created this toxic, overfed lake that literally is choking out life. And so there's inflow, but there's no outflow. That's what's happening with the Dead Sea. And I, I, I share that because there's something similar that can take place in our lives, right? There's something similar that can happen. Uh, we were created to be sources of life in the world. That's what we were made for, uh, sources of life in the world around us. And that requires an inflow into our life, but it also requires an, an outflow, and so we receive, we receive what we were made for, the love of God. We receive the blessing of God, the richness of God. And we're created to pour that blessing out to those around us. And so God pours his blessing into our lives. He pours his blessing into our lives so that we will become an instrument of life to others. He pours his presence into us so that we will bring his presence to those who are hungry and thirsty for it. God pours his grace into you so that you can dispense his grace to those who are suffering under the burdens of guilt and shame. He pours out his resources into your life so that you can enrich those in need around you. So in other words, God blesses, he blesses each of us so that we can also be a blessing. He blesses us to be a blessing. And so as followers of Jesus, um, we're called to take up this radically different way of life, this radically different way of seeing the world, this generous way of living that we see in Jesus' own life. 
Jesus was blessed, and yet he blessed others more than anyone who's ever lived. And we are called to be a blessing to others because we too are blessed. And so I want us to look at this story that we just read in Mark chapter 6. Um, because here in the Gospel of Mark, we're told uh, that Jesus had, just before the passage we read, Jesus has sent out his 12 closest friends. And he sent them out uh, to do what I would call kind of Jesus work. He's kind of shown them how to do things, and he's like, now I want you to go do these same things. And so they go out, and they, see, they experience all these amazing things. They, they share the good news about Jesus. They, they, they um, see healings happen. They, they pray for people to be delivered. And then they come back, and that's where we pick it up, and that's where we hear, oh, they're so excited. That's what they're excited about. And they come, and they tell Jesus. And they must have been excited but really worn out. They must have been really exhausted because Jesus takes one look at them, and, and this is what he says in verse 31. All right. You guys come with me, uh, come with me, and we're going to go off to a quiet place and get some rest. That's his response now that they've come back. And so I imagine, you know, they found this boat, and they, they kind of hop in it, and they take off, and they're trying to get away, you know, find a little R&R on a Galilean beach resort nearby. That's what they're aiming for. And yet as they aim for that, what happens? Uh, this big, needy crowd shows up, right, right when they're almost uh, away, and I don't know if you can relate to that. You know, you got one foot out the door on vacation, and then you get a call or some need comes up in the family. Something happens, right? And so you have, to, you have to change course. And I imagine that's what these disciples must have felt like on the inside. Like they were ready to get away, to rest, to just be with Jesus and process and, and recover. And ugh, you know, like now this big needy crowd shows up. I just need some me time. But now there's this need, and they stay, they stay because Jesus looks at this crowd and his response, his heart cry is compassion. We're told that he has compassion on the crowd. And so he looks out at this amazing uh, sight and what he sees is a people that need to be taught and need healing. And so that's what he begins to do. He begins to teach them and to heal them. But at some point, this is what happens. The disciples, uh, I think this is kind of how it went down. The disciples, they're kind of, helping Jesus with all this, participating in this. And, and, and at some point they say, okay, Jesus, um, this has been great, but I think we need to wrap it up, right? It's kind of, it's, it's time to go. Remember the vacation we were gonna take? It's time to do that. So why don't you send everybody home? You know, they, that way they can get dinner, you know, somewhere else. And we'll just, we'll, we'll go ahead and take off. And Jesus, Jesus says to them, uh, well, why don't you just give them something to eat? And their response is, us? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? There's thousands of people here. How can we feed all of these people? I mean, they must have thought he was just, he was joking. He'd been in the sun too much that day. Like, how are we supposed to feed these people? We don't even have enough money, they say, to go and buy food, even if there was a place to buy it. We're in the middle of nowhere. How are we going to feed all of these people? And Jesus says, I imagine just very calmly, as a matter of fact, well, how many loaves do you have? How much bread do you have? Go and see. And so they go and they come back and they find out. Uh, they tell Jesus. You know, he's asking, what do you have? And then they come back to Jesus and say, this is what we scrounged together. In another gospel, we're told that they, they found this little boy and basically it's his lunch. It's five pieces of bread and two fish. And they come, they're like, this is, this is all we've got. In other words, it's barely enough to even feed the 12 of us, right? And so Jesus Again, he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get everybody in small groups, all right? And everybody sit down in groups of 50 or 100, and he kind of he 
gets the disciples to help him with that. And I imagine the disciples, you know, tired, hungry, wanting to get away, do this with all the enthusiasm that my kids kind of do when I ask them to pick up their Legos. You know, like, okay, Dad, right? Like, how does this make sense? This isn't going to work. Okay, Jesus, we'll do it, but we don't really understand how this is going to work. And so they do it. And meanwhile, while they're doing that, Jesus takes these loaves of bread and these fish, and he picks it up, and he breaks it, and he gives thanks. He breaks it, and he gives thanks for what they have. And then he just starts handing out pieces to his disciples to feed thousands and thousands of people. And now we're not told exactly how that worked, but somehow the food never ran out. That's the point. The food never ran out. And so in my imagination, it's Jesus kind of standing there before the crowd, and he's got this little setup with this food, and he's just picking them up, and he's just breaking them, and he's putting them in these baskets. And these guys, they come, they get a basket, they go out, they dispense it, and then they come back, and there's another full basket waiting for them when they get back, all from these five loaves and these two fish. And so Jesus keeps breaking it and then giving it out. And so he's giving it out, and he's giving out, and Jesus gives to them, and it never runs out. What Jesus gives, it never runs out. In fact, we're told there were leftovers. There's more than they started with. There's leftovers, 12 baskets full of food. Jesus gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave. In fact, he gave more than they even needed. Now, just maybe, maybe there's a little voice inside of you, just a little inner skeptic at this point uh, that says, great story. This is, this is a great story. I love this. This is a powerful metaphor, right? There's so many things we can learn. I'm so glad we're looking at this today. But really, there's a part of us, the inner skeptic, that says, but that's impossible also, right? That's not possible, like to take what Jesus had and create more, is impossible. It defies physics. You can't just make more matter, right? Matter is finite. It is what it is. You have, in other words, what you actually have. And that's it. So this, this is impossible. But is it? Is it impossible? I mean, with God, I would say, why can't this happen? With God, why can't this happen? Rationally speaking, just let's think about it this way. If there is a God, if there is a God, what limits would there be to what God can do with physical matter? He created it. He created the physical world. So what limits would there be? And this is Jesus. This is Jesus doing this, God in the flesh. So this shouldn't be any more unbelievable, I would say, than seeing a painter paint a beautiful painting. Or or, or a sculptor take a piece of clay and fashion it into something amazing. Because that's what's happening here. This is what God does. He creates. He multiplies. He brings forth, in other words, something from nothing. That's what God does. And so for God, the, the world, when he looks at the world, when Jesus looks out at the world, he doesn't see a world of scarcity. He doesn't see a world of limitation, a, a, of all there is and there's no more. That's not how he sees the world. It's a world of abundance. We worship the creator God of abundance. That's who he is. 
And so when we look at Mark 6, when we look at the story about Jesus feeding thousands of people from a few pieces of bread and a few fish, what we see is this is kingdom physics. This is physics in the hands of the creator. This is art. This is kingdom math in the hands of God. This is what can happen. And so this is what happens in the hands of a God who loves to give, who loves to give, and he loves to take whatever we have and multiply it over and over again to bless others. That's what God loves to do. But I think so often that's not how we see our reality. That's not how we see the world. We see a world of scarcity. And I think maybe even in, the, in, in this year, with all we've been through, maybe we've gotten into a mindset of scarcity. Right? So many things have been lost. So many things have been taken away and maybe we've settled into a mindset of scarcity, but that's not how God sees the world. God sees the world uh, in terms of abundance. He loves to give. He loves to multiply. And so the question is, how do we live into that reality? How do we live into the reality that Jesus saw but the disciples couldn't see? I just want to say, maybe today you are feeling stretched. Maybe you're feeling stretched to the limit and you feel tapped out. You've given so much this week, right? You've given so much, you're just, you're sitting there and you are tired, right? Maybe right now you feel uncertain, you're unsettled, you're anxious about the future, about uh, your finances in particular, just with everything that's going on. How do we live into that reality? How do we live into that reality and really believe that God can take whatever we have, even if it feels like we don't have much, and multiply it and multiply it? to bless us and to bless others. To believe that and to live into that, I think uh, there might be a couple of kind of changes we make in the way that we think. A couple of changes I think we need to make. And so I want us to talk about two changes that I think this passage kind of highlights that we might need to make. And I want to focus on one this week and we'll look at the other one next week. But I think we need to change our pronouns that's what we need to change. And then next week we'll talk about this. We need to change our math. I think we need new pronouns and new math uh, to really walk in this reality. So this week, let's talk about pronouns. First, we need to change our pronouns. Um, in this story, I love Jesus' question. I love the way that Jesus asks questions. He throws these questions like grenades <laughs> into moments, and they just kind of blow up everything that you thought before. And so this simple question of what do you have is what he puts to the disciples. He says, what do you have? And it's so interesting that that's where Jesus starts. That's where he begins. He starts with what they have, what they've been given. He starts with what we have, what we've been given, and then he supernaturally multiplies it. That's what Jesus does. So I, I want you to take just a few minutes this morning and think about what you have. What do you have as you sit here this morning? I mean, one thing I would say you have is community. You're not sitting here alone. You may feel alone today, but you're not alone. You're sitting here with, with a community. And even if this is your first time here, this is a community, this is a family. And we welcome you here, and we want you to be a part of this family because you, you need people around you. We, you're sitting with someone maybe today. You know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a spouse, maybe you've got kids, maybe, um, 
you're really questioning, do I have a sense of community? This is, this is community. We have this, even if it's just in this moment. What do you have? Maybe you've got, um, maybe you came here in a car. You've got a car, right? Maybe you've got another car at home. You've got two cars, okay? What do you have? You've got a room, maybe, that you're living in. You've got an apartment. You've got a house. Uh, you've got a job, or you're a full-time student right now. Uh, maybe you've got a dog, Okay, I mean, you've got, you've got something, right? I hope you don't have a cat. Cats are not a blessing, just dogs. I love dogs. I mean, maybe you've got investment account on top of investment account, or maybe all you've got is five bucks in your pocket today, okay? The question is, what do you have? If nothing else, you've got your body, right? You're, you're, you're sitting here today. You got out of bed. You took a breath, you have thoughts and feelings. You are experiencing reality. You are. Right now, in this moment, you are. And so even if your life is hard right now, I mean, it could be worse. I don't say that lightly. I, I, I love Shakespeare's King Lear. This is, I learned this in high school, and it's always stuck with me. King Lear, when things are really bad in his life, um, he says, when things are at their worst, he said, as long as I can say this is the worst, it isn't. Because he was still alive. Because he had life. We have life as we're sitting here today. And so what do you have? I think when we stop to think about it, we have a lot. I know 2020 has been hard. And there have been things that we have lost. Things that we should grieve and lament. But let's not let what we've lost blind us to what we have, to what we've been given. We need to remember that God has given us so much. And most importantly, God has given us his son. He's given us his son, Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, we receive all that God has. Do you know that? That's the promise of scripture. When we receive Jesus, we receive all the riches of heaven, it says. We receive all the blessings of God. We receive that. We receive his mercy, his forgiveness, his love, his truth, his righteousness. We receive life, life with God. And, and the promise is nothing can take that away. Nothing, not even death, can take that from us. And so when we can say we are gods, right, when we can say that, we're saying we've been bought at a price. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus, which means we are priceless to him. We are precious to him, valuable to the God of the universe. We belong to him. And to say that we belong to God is a radical statement. It is a radical statement. To say we belong to God is to acknowledge that all I have comes from him. All I have belongs to him. That my time belongs to him. My hopes and dreams belong to him. My money is his. My possessions, my influence, my relationships, I belong to him. And everything I have is his. And the Bible calls that idea stewardship. It's, it's, it's this biblical idea of, of stewardship. It's when we say yes to Jesus, we are giving over our lives to him. We say freely and honestly, look, God, I cannot manage my life. I can't do it. I can't manage my life, but you can, and so I'm surrendering my life, and I'm entrusting it to you. And then we, what we become is we become stewards. We become caretakers, temporary stewards of a life that really belongs to God. And so never think that you don't matter. 
Never think that your life isn't worth something. Never think that you don't have anything. You are God's. And you have him. You belong to him. And you have everything in his son. When, um, when Langley and I were dating, um, I can't believe we did this when we were dating, but we took a financial course together. Uh, really hot date. Um, and so we, we, we took this course, and it was on what the Bible teaches about money. It was something called Crown. Great course. Uh, and the reason it was so powerful for us um, was that it, it taught us some really profound things about money that we just didn't know. And it was wisdom from the Bible uh, about money. And one of the things that was really powerful for me that I didn't know before we took this class um, had everything to do with pronouns, right? Had everything to do with this, this question of pronouns. And, and, and let me explain why. So before Crown, honestly, this is just the way I thought. And maybe you think this way too. I thought, okay, I've got this amount of stuff and, and, and kind of resources and money and time. All, I've got, this is mine. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take part of that. I'm going to give it to God, right? And then whatever's left, that's mine, right? That's mine to, to pay bills, right? To buy food, to take Langley on a date, to have fun. You know, it's mine, mine. And what I realized when I look at, what scripture teaches is I had it backwards. I had the pronouns wrong. Right? What I have isn't mine, and I give some of it to God. Right? This is what, listen to this, 1 Chronicles 29, 11. This is what it says. It says, everything in the heavens and on the earth is mine. No, it says, it's yours, yours. O oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Everything is God's. Everything is God's. Everything I have, my time, my resources, even my money, all of it's God's, even down to the loose change in the cushions. All of it is God's. It's precious, it's a gift, it's his. And so I realized that I had a pronoun problem. I had a problem. I was saying my money when really it's your money. It's not my money, it's God's money. It's God's possession, God's resources, God's time. My life is God's, not mine. And so I needed to change my pronouns. I needed to stop saying mine and start saying yours. All I have is yours. And when you change your pronouns, what happens is you see yourself as a steward of what is his. You stop giving God what's left over because it's all his. You stop seeing giving as something you have to do. Instead, you start seeing it as something you get to do because it's all his. It changes you when you realize everything is his and he's graciously and lovingly entrusted it to you. I love what John Wesley said. I came across this this week. He, he said it this way. He said, when you realize that everything you have is God's, you're free to gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And I read that. I was like, wait a minute. Say that again. John Wesley said, you're able to gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Gain all you can. This is what he meant. You, you want more. You become jealous for God's blessing. His grace, his goodness, his gifts. You just say, I, I want more of that in my life. And you say, I want to gain more from you, God. Give me more, 
right? And then, because of that, you say, I want to save all I can. Your priorities shift. You become less indulgent and kind of wasteful in the way that you manage and steward things in your life. You don't want to waste anything that God's given because it's precious, and you're called to steward it. And then you give all you can. You're free because it's not yours. You give all you can to God, and you give it away, and it's a blessing to you and to others. So I love that. You gain all you can, you save all you can, and you give all you can if you know it's God's. And so I just want to encourage us to consider our pronoun. Consider our pronouns, right? When we realize it's all God's, it changes the question of how much of my money, for example, do I have to give to God or should I give to God? And it changes. It says, God, what should I do with your money? Can you feel the difference? To me, that's so freeing. God, what can I do with your money? What can I do with your time? What can I do with your resources? And making that shift, I think it will transform the way you live and think. God's given us so much. And what he's given us is a blessing to us, but it's not just for us. It's not just for us. He's called us to be stewards of all that is his and everything we have is his which means we're always blessed. No matter what we have or don't have, no matter what's going on in our life, we are always blessed because we have Jesus, which means we can always bless others. We can always bless others around us. Now, I, I said this before, we have community, right? It's one of the things we've been given, and you are not here by accident. I, I believe if you're even here just for the first time today, you're not here by accident. God has brought you here and one of the things that God is always doing is when he's bringing people together, he's bringing them as, as those who are stewards of his gifts. You have gifts, you have resources, you have passions as you come into this community. And he's blessed you in order to bless others. You can bless someone even just today, here, through your presence, through what you bring into this room. Right? And so to be a part of this mission, to share the good news of Jesus, which is what we feel called to do, to care for those in need, to see lives transformed through faith, you are a part of that. You're an essential part of that because God has blessed you and he's called you to be a blessing. You are here and you are not empty-handed. In other words, none of us are. And that's a beautiful thing. And so Jesus is asking you today, he's asking me, he's asking all of us, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? This morning, I want us to um, take a few minutes. We're going to share a story. I'm really excited about uh, this. It's a story about what happened when a group of people here at Apostles responded to that question from Jesus. What do you have? What do you have? And it's the story of Tamar. <clears throat> and some of you know Tamar and uh, her parents, Hanaro and Sylvia, and um, what's amazing to me about this story is we're going to watch this video, is this story begins in Hurricane Harvey. Three years ago, this, this is a story, and, and it's, it's culminated, and it's ongoing, but it's culminated in a miracle this year. And so it's just an example of, of, of the ways that God works to take what we have to actually transform people's lives. And so I'm really excited. So we're going to watch uh, this video about Tamar's story. Can we just give God thanks um, for that? Let's just praise God. Um, 
when Tamar got back to Mexico uh, this summer after the surgery, she sent me a, a text and it had a little video in it uh, of her just walking, uh, just walking on the sidewalks uh, out in front of her house, uh, pain-free, and, and, and it was just this beautiful picture of what God had done. Um, and, and what stands out to me about that picture, uh, of the way that God worked in all of that, uh, was that each, each person just had a piece like, no one person could have come alongside her and, and accomplished all that. It was God working through a lot of individuals and people who just said, okay, God, this is, this is what I have, or I know someone who has this. And then God took what they had, and he changed a life. I mean, he transformed her life. And not just her walking, uh, her heart. Like, she's seen God at work through this church in a powerful way. It's drawn her deeper into life in relationship with Jesus. And so I just give God praise um, for that. And, and I, I wanted us to share that story because I, I hope that it encourages us to think about what we have. You know, and I don't think just money. I think what we have in terms of our abilities, what we have in terms of our, our heart, our passion, the, our personalities, what we have and what God could take and do with those things if we just, if we just give it over to him. Because I think he could really change lives. He has. He is. He'll continue to. And so that's what we want. Like I said, right now, we're, as a church family, we're asking God to help us think through where he's leading us over the next year and what he wants to invite us into. And so our staff and our leadership, even this weekend, we, we set aside some time just to ask God, like, what is it you want to do with us? And how can each of us, with what we have, respond to this, this call of Jesus and I want to ask you and encourage you to do the same. So just take some time um, to ask, like, God, how are you calling me to join the work that you're doing uh, in 2021? How are you calling me to join you in the year ahead? And so I want to encourage you to pray. We're going to take some time this morning just to pray and to ask God to help us see what it is we have. To answer this question, what do we have and how God could use it to bless others um, today and, and in the days ahead. And so it's the question of what, what do you have? What do you have? 